Jewish guys you know. <laughs> well, you're going to hear me, but I just want to say thank you to everybody who, um, in these rooms, and out of the rooms, that made my 20 years. Because um, I was not supposed to be here. 20 years ago, I had six months of whip, and I was actually dying when I came into these rooms. And there's somebody in this room who saw me three months before I got here, and I then I locked myself in my in my house for two weeks because I couldn't go to the store or anything. And um, I'm so glad and so grateful to be alive and for God in the twelve steps and to the people in my life that are absolutely angels, and that's what they are. People that are angels, you can't see the wings, but I can see it. I can see inside them and see who they are. And those are the kind of people I want in my life today. So thank you. I'd now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Roz. I might do that with questions. Okay. Hi, my name is Roz, and I am I am such a grateful compulsive eater. Hi, everybody. Hi, Billy. Okay. Um, I was very nervous this afternoon and had an anxiety attack. I don't, I don't usually do that because I was overwhelmed by all the people calling me, singing to me, and buying me presents. And all of a sudden, I went backwards 20 years ago when I felt that I didn't deserve this, that I had these old feelings that I thought I dealt with that... Um, you know, you're not, you don't deserve any of this. They wait till they really get to know who you are. And that was what was instilled with me when I was a little girl. I couldn't believe I felt like that for about an hour and a half. Because the last few days, my God's got in, out in um, Orange County have been, somebody uh, filled my yard up with flowers and had a garden to plant them and pot a barbecue and all these things, and it was very hard for me to accept things. Very hard. And um, if I had money, I'd much rather be buying everything for everybody. And anyway, I'll start. <clears throat> when I came to these rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I knew I was dying. I had liver disease. I had diabetes that was so bad. I was um, um, insulin, and my diabetes was up to five, 600. I couldn't hardly walk because I had to take uh, pills from um, my heart. I already had a heart attack at 41, and then I kept eating and eating, and then I had to take um, pills for the, I forgot what I had already, angina. And my blood sugar was out of control, and and then what happened was my liver got bad, and I, I was really, really sick. And the doctors all said to my parents and my husband, she has six months to live at the most. So my son was in Overeaters Anonymous. And I had been with him to meetings, but one woman came and she grabbed me and she said, I'm taking to the 100-pound meeting. I didn't even know what a 100-pound meeting was. I didn't even, I mean, I listened to my son, but I was too scared to come. I was too frightened to come because I hid out from life. I just couldn't go out. And I had lost weight a lot of times at a diet doctor, a weight watchers, 
I even dyed my hair red, and my father got me all new clothes, but I gained the weight back. So I was always afraid to do another diet because I was gaining the weight back, and then everybody would be disappointed in me. So um, after this death sentence, my diabetes got really bad, and I knew I had to do something. So I went to the diabetic nurse at Brotman Hospital, and she told me I was pretty sick. And I stayed in my house for two weeks, and my son said, call me when you're at the bottom. And I knew I couldn't stay in my house for the rest of my life. So I called him, and he took me to my first meeting, May 26, 1987, at the Marina Hospital, Daniel Freeman. And there were 12 steps. And I couldn't even walk up those steps. I walked up crying and taking an antihypertensive pill. And that room was a, the library. In that room was the most beautiful woman. Her name was Ellen Rosenberg. And she, that woman helped me so much. Today she's not alive because of this disease. And um, and I stayed there in those chairs. And then I went to Beverly Hills High School and I decided to quit because everybody was thin and they didn't like me. You know, it's all about me. Like self-seeking, self The big book was written just for me. And, and my husband cried. And he said, please give it three more weeks. So I'll take three more weeks. I didn't believe in God. I felt that God did everything to me. He took away my father and I was left with my mother. I was not, and I was angry, and and um, I was jealous. I was all the things that that I've given up and my character defects. <laughs> and um, but I stayed, and I lost. It was insane. I lost two hundred and twenty five or forty pounds in fifteen months. But that that was nothing because in my head I was stupid. I was a nut. I was so insane, you wouldn't believe. I had a car accident after car accident, running into cars, because I didn't know what to do with these feelings. I was wearing one wrong shoe, one right shoe, and I had to go into the, I crashed my car into Nordstrom's. And, um, and you know what I said? Okay, God, if I have to die, at least I fit in its clothes. <laughs> I had no... I had no... Uh, I was in therapy, but I really didn't have any emotional or spiritual recovery. You can't just lose weight, be in a skinny body, and be okay. You're just a nut. So I went into the hospital for a long time, and I got a lot of um, recovery there, and then went out and had recovery. But So it took me a long time to get it, to really get the deal and, and be myself. It took me a long time because I hated myself so much. I, I absolutely hated myself. So it took me a long time to get to learn who I was. And today I like myself. I like the woman I am. I, you know, I always wanted to be my sister, and I never could be like my sister. And today I don't want to be her. I don't want to be her. I like who I am. And... um I, you know, I had I I found out that um, I was really sexually abused very very badly from 12 to 15, and also when I was eight, and that's what I ate over. That that's a lot of what happened to me 
and what happened with the nightmares started when I lost all the weight. And I have really dealt with that. I've been able to help others. So I think there's a reason for everything. And, and um, I have a lot of recovery in that. And so what's really saved my life is the 12 steps, the big book, helping others. And from the moment I got here, I did service. I remember I had three garbage cans playing in my, in my car. And um, I know I'm running around a lot, but um, at my first meeting that I went to, when my son took his first year candle, I went to the meeting, I sat in two chairs, and I remembered one person there. It was a very friendly meeting. It was at uh, the Lions Club on Sunday night. And there was somebody there that was so nice to me. See, I didn't think anybody would like me because I hated myself. And um, I was told that whichever everybody gets to know you, they won't like you. And there was one person there. He's in this room tonight. I don't want to break it down in entity, unless it's okay. <laughs> okay, he's not okay. <laughs> but his voice rang in my head for three months. And when I went back, I went back because of that. I went back because I was dying. I went back to find him because I kept hearing that for three months. I wish you would come back. I wish my mother was here. And, you know, um, there are there's such good people here. Roseanne, you were at all my morning meetings, you know. Um, I went to a lot of meetings with Sybil. I mean, all these people there in my life that helped me along the way. I just couldn't have got this far without people. It was like I kept grabbing people's hands. And, and uh, I, I waited a year to do a four-step because I wanted to do it right. And I couldn't do the lines, the columns. I couldn't. So finally someone said to me, why don't you do an inventory? That inventory became five and a half hours of talking to somebody, you know. And I've gone through so much in this program, so much loss. I lost my mother. We lost our home. We lost our business. My sister bought a condo out in Orange County. I didn't know one person I was coming back every weekend, and Roseanne and Natalie told me to start a meeting. Now we have one there every night, seven nights a week. Um, everything that I never thought I could do, I do today. Early in program, we went on a trip. I climbed, I climbed up a mountain. I was so big in, in humiliation. I, I got stuck in a doorway at, at uh, where was it? a very big hotel in San Francisco, and they couldn't even get me out of it until the repairman came. And you should have seen people laughing at me. I got stuck in, in the seat at the music center and had to sit there till it all cleared out when they could take the seat out. I've had people laugh at me at Wilshire and Westwood. Oh, fat woman, oh, fat movement. But I still ate over it. It didn't help me stop eating. I could not stop eating. I fell off the bed at night because I took drugs, and everyone thought I would be dead. My daughter was afraid to come home from school because she thought I would be dead from the food and the pills and the drink. You know, I, I tried to be the best mother I could. I loved my kids, but I was whacked out. You know, 
I, and she was never ashamed of me. I mean, I had to be taken to the hospital twice because I took an overdose because I wanted to die because I couldn't stop eating. What was the use of me living? I couldn't stop eating. I did stop several times from diets, but the minute I put down that diet pill, I started again. This is the worst disease to have. I have had cancer. I have some problems with my neck and cholesterol, but not this disease. This is the killer. I know, because I lived in the pit of hell. It's like black quicksand, but you can't get out. You try to stop eating, but you can't. You know, you can't, because you have to run to the store again. This is the only place that's kept me not eating. And then you think, I could just take a little bit because no one's going to know. But we do know because I know inside. It, the big book has become like a Bible to me. I couldn't even read it the first year because I didn't understand it because I wasn't into it. But every single page in that book, when it says we found a new solution and new freedom, I'm free. It's not that it's not going to pull... Say, let's go eat, you know, that message. I'm, I feel free most of the time. I, my husband got sick uh, six and a half years ago. For five years, I took care of him in the diapers and everything. It was miserable at home. It was really hard. And then he broke his hip a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And so he's in a home, and now he broke his leg. And then he almost died in December. And it's been really, really hard. I mean, I have to, I, you know, with money problems, with everything. But I'm making it one minute at a time, one moment, one hour. I can tell you that um, I have angels in my life that are there for me and have helped me so much. You know, that somebody paid for my cell phone. Someone just fixing my house. I mean, you can't believe it. I, there is no one in the world like this place. Because I couldn't get through this. And this is, I love my husband, but I could not take care of him. You know, I have a, a son that's a therapist and my daughter's a teacher. And I have three little grandchildren, granddaughters, that love me. They don't even believe it's me in the picture. Well, who's that woman with grandpa? And you know what? I can be with them myself. I can be the greatest grandma that I wasn't when my kids were little. That's because of this program. If anybody takes this lightly, I remember one of the doctors saying to me, you know, Rosalind, it's worse. Than, there's other things worse than dying, like having a stroke, like having a leg amputated. Like, you know, I, I didn't want to do this. You know, like have a stroke. <laughs> I didn't have a stroke. <laughs> but all I thought of was that. And my husband's in a home and I see this all the time with people. And this program has taught me I don't have to do that. Even when I want to eat, I have this, I wrote this uh, commitment with God. I wrote, I, Rosalind Bowser, will not eat after dinner. <laughs> and it says, dear God. And then so I go in my bedroom. 
which the refrigerator is outside the bedroom. It's, it's so tiny in my place. I wrote the commitment. I wrote all these things. I put it on my refrigerator, and I go in my room, I close the door, and I don't go out after I dinner. I just write all these things. I just because I grew up in a fantastic world, which is my fantasies, because I couldn't bear with the reality. And my thing is that if we can get through the reality of our childhood, if it was bad, we can get through with the reality of life now. Even though I love to live in my fantasy world, it was so much fun. Um, but, um, you know, I... I love reality. I love and so I spend my days now seeing my husband and helping others, no matter who they are, if I don't sponsor them, if I do. I do that every single day, help people with their steps. That is my life. That is, that's what I do with God's will. And I love it. I love it. And I think that God is showing me a way of life that I never knew that I could do. I, I couldn't do this before. There's no way. And also, um, I broke my leg two years ago, and my mother broke her leg at my house 20 years ago. And she could not get well because she could not get past the pain. And she, she um, no, 30 years ago. And she blamed me. And I took care of her for 15 years because she said I ruined her life. Okay? Well, I, I, and I took that and listened to her. So... I broke my leg and everybody said, oh no, you'll be like grandma. And so I went to physical therapy. The second day, they have this bar. You put your leg back. The second day, I pulled the bar and pulled my leg all the way back. He says, we've got to get a picture of you in a medal. Because nobody's able to do that. I said, well, you didn't know my mother. <laughs> I go, I'm not going to be my mother. Because my daughter goes, who's going to take care of you? My kids wouldn't do it. But I didn't want them to. And I walked within six weeks. Tish took me to the mall. It was Christmas time. And she ran. I speeded. And with my wheelchair running around shopping for Christmas. <laughs> And it was like I still kept them living in that in the wheelchair, but I walked. It's perseverance. I learned it here. No matter what happens, no matter what happens in my family, no matter what, I can get through it with God. I couldn't do it without God. But with God, I can persevere and get through everything. I pray. I meditate. I pray. I do a mantra all day long. I thank God. I write God. It's all about God for me today. The person who didn't believe in God. But it is God. How come I'm still living 20 years later? It is God. And um, we have a lot of meetings down our way, and they're fabulous. And uh, I don't know. I know. I know. And... um, and step one, are powerless over food. I do. I'm powerless over food, my kids, and everyone. And step two, or higher park and restoring me sanity. I do those steps every day. And step three, turning our will and my life over to the care of God. I have to do that every day. I, and I do it every day with somebody who reads to me every day. And step four, making it a fearless and more moral inventory of ourselves. I have to do that every day. I do my 10th step every night. 
I was working with somebody on a hers, and I suddenly got it that somebody who's in this room, she, ten years ago, she told me she didn't like the way my husband talked to me. And you know what? I woke up one day a few weeks ago, and I realized she was right. That's what I when I was two. And I, call, I got her number and called her. And it was just like it was yesterday. I met an immense to her. Because, but I see, I didn't know he talked like that. I really didn't, because I always defend people in my fairy tale world. And it's just funny how I'm growing. It's like 20 years, and you still learn things. And then uh, step five, my character defects. They're getting better, and then more come. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and then admitting them and asking God to remove them. I do that every day in the shower, and then I have them go down the drain and say goodbye, <laughs> goodbye anger, goodbye judging, goodbye this. <laughs> but I really want them to go away, and they do most of them for the day. And then uh, step seven, making a list of people. Yeah. And um, I don't have anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. I've let go of everybody. I'm more into accepting people the way they are because I can't change them. You know? And there's, there's some people that, that I know will end up in the... I, I can only accept them like this. Because with a little stop sign on it. <laughs> because I know that person will put on the electric freezer. So I do that, and then step eight, making amends. I try to do that right away as soon as I notice something. And step, uh, or step nine, step that. And step ten, I do that every night. I go over my day to see what if I've harmed anyone, if I said anything. I have to keep my mouth shut. That's it. My mouth shut. Because I, I don't like to keep going. I'm so sorry, really sorry for what I just did. And um, and step 12, that's my favorite. Working with others, carrying the message, starting a meeting, are doing it. Now I'm beginning to talk to people in the markets and too many people. And, uh, and that's why I do it. I'm reading the big book and the 12 and 12. I love the A 12 and 12. And now I'm working in the OA 12 and 12. I just always love the AA 12 and 12 because it's here when I got here. So now I work in both books. And uh, my life is not what I wanted it to be or planned it. But my life is God's, is in God's hands. And I hope I've lived a long, long time. But you know what? I have any... I'm not scared of anything. I have no fears. Um, my husband's very, very needy right now, and um, it's really hard sometimes. And uh, I have to be really careful and take really good care of myself and take care of myself. So I'm going to leave it open for, we have till 6.30? Okay, I'm going to leave it open for me. I, I want to tell you what a joy it's been to come here tonight. I just see all these faces and see all the people that I love. Thank you, John. Question. Ross? Yes. Talk about how you, thank you very much. Can you talk about how you work step 11, please? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. My favorite question, and I, I, I read the chapter, 
and I do that prayer every day, and I, I just visualize um, all the sunlight and flowers and simple living. After prayer meditation, I, I read that. I do my visualization through that prayer. That's how I work that prayer. And I have my sponsor most of them do that. Yes, Russ. You said earlier that you um, that you didn't believe in God when you came to the program. Mm-hmm. How did you go from not believing in God to living obviously a God-centered life? Well, it started with. I was nine months in the program, and all of a sudden I'd lost 100 pounds, and I wasn't eating sugar. I lived on sugar till my fingers and toes were paralyzed with the mommy. And I thought, oh, this is it. But I didn't have the intimacy I have, like I have today where my creator is inside of me. It took me a lot. The last 10 years that I have this, since my husband's sick. Lars, can you talk into the... Yeah. 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 Okay? I didn't have the intimacy with God that I have today. Since my husband got sick, I turned to God for everything. But that's how I started to believe there was a God when he took away the sugar from me because I was a sugar addict. I am a sugar addict. And I lived on sugar till I couldn't feel my fingers and toes. I was sick with diabetes. Here I am living on sugar. So I started to believe in God then. I know you talked about the letters you write to God. Could you tell us about the letters you write to your disease? To God? The ones you write to your disease. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I sure can't remember. I want you to tell me. I can start remembering. I got. Okay. If I'm going to eat, I write. <laughs> Don't get offended by this, okay? <laughs> fat, 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 Rosalind. I have you back. And it's like this horrible, horrible dragon with red. You know. I have you back. You're not going to fit in the seat. You never can go to Overeaters Anonymous. You just might as well eat more. Eat more, eat more. There's a person that was size 50 dress. I don't know, 50. I said, go get her dresses. You're going to need them. And it stops me from eating. I cry when I write those letters. And then I have God write. Get away disease from her. I protect you. She's not going to eat. Just go away. I am the highest power. I am. I love my precious child. And a beautiful letter like that. And then I and then I write a letter to God. That's yes. Thank you. My imagination. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you so much. This is all clear. And in addition to, to writing letters to put into yourself, what do you do when the um, compulsion returns? What? What do you like, do? what sort of actions do you take? What tools do you use when the compulsion to eat returns? Well, if I'm in a market, I call somebody and walk right to the market with her while shopping. <laughs> That's what I do. And at home, uh, I, actually a mouse could starve in a refrigerator. <laughs> there's no bread. There's no crackers. Nothing. There's no peanut butter. There's no jam. You should see it. Somebody would come in and think, "Oh my God, she must be in good road." But I, because I've had difficulty in December and January, I'll keep anything that I would go after. 
It's just that. It's so, but but if I don't want to eat at night, I go in my room. I pray. I write. I write a letter to God, and I pray. And I just pray. And my I do certain prayers. I could tell you after. I do certain prayers. And I visual. I use my visualization prayers. That's how I can pray, and then it goes away. It just goes away. Sometimes I'll pass by CVS. That's it. it used to be Saver. Then <laughs> change. And it'll, my disease will say, go there, go there. <laughs> you know, I'll have to pick up a prescription. I mean, then God says, go home, little girl. Go home, little girl. Go home. Once I get past that, that place, I don't want anything. It's just that voice. You know? So then I go home, I'm okay. I don't want anything. But I have to do those tools. Go home, don't go home. <laughs> you know what? If somebody saw me, they would think I'm insane. <laughs> My sponsor went said, We're not wrapped tightly. And so I told her, We're not wrapped at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's a lot of people I know that are not wrapped. <laughs> Did you have a question, Mickey? Um, I understand you have a big book study down in in Orange County. Could you just talk about what what kind of big book study it is and how it works? That was my question. (laughs) Okay. It's a big book study based on Charlie and Joe's book. And it's really fabulous. It's my third time and it's the best time because the first time was really bad. I didn't do it right. Okay. I mean, I, it was, but this is really good. It's going on, and everybody loves it. You can ask Nick, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and it's really good. It's every Wednesday, and it's it's just it's going through the book. Uh huh. Right through the book. Okay, really and the age and, the, and everybody seems to love it. And I'm, a, I'm just learning so much. I've been learning so much from it. It's just so good. I look forward to it. It's one of my favorite meetings besides Sunday. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, Rob. Can you talk about how you practice forgiveness, especially in relation to your abuse in your childhood? Yeah. I, I had forgiveness is the most important thing for me because if I don't, I have resentment. And we said, I'm going to bring it right to the fruit. And uh, I've had to forgive a lot of people that have hurt, hurt me in my childhood. Um, I, was, um, I was very abused sexually. I mean, I can't say what it was, but it was very bad. You know, like unusually bad. At, from 12 to 15, and he died while I was in the program, and, um, but my aunt didn't, but she came to me and said, three years later, but I didn't do it, he didn't, <laughs> and so my sister was so happy that she apologized, that was when she apologized, but I forgave her, I forgave her. And um, I had a, a relationship with her, kind of took care, I took care of her until she died. But I forgive her, but I didn't forgive him exactly. But what I found out was that I could let him go. 
So I'm not saying I forgive him what he did to me and all the other people, but I let him go to God. And that made me feel clean inside. Because I found out that you don't have to forgive somebody for the horrors that he did. But I'll tell you something. Everything he did, I learned to use as a tool to help other women. And that really has been valuable. So I guess I could forgive him now. But, um, you know, things happen and we get to use it later, like I said. We, one of the things is we have um, promises or a vision for you. So that's how I feel about it. Anything that happens at any path, it can be used to help somebody else who's going through the same thing. So that's how I feel about it. Thank you, Blue Can you talk a little bit about your food plan today? Yeah. My food plan for today is no bread and no sugar and probably half of the food I was eating in December. <laughs> <laughs> like I went out the other night, my grocery bag to meanies and the salmon was this thick. So I just cut it in half. I had some uh, salad with balsam and we don't bring the very basket on the table anymore. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do because you know what everybody else has not everybody, but other people do. But we don't, her and I, so we did that. And last time, I had meatloaf and left the other two pieces. And, and, and vegetables and some, a little bit of salad. I just started doing this two weeks ago, again, like I did in the beginning. I finally have to surrender again and do this. Mm-hmm. Because I had gained some weight during December and January when he was sick. I was at my sister's house. And um, it was a mess there. I, I was really unhappy because he, my husband was there, and she slapped me like this. I said, what did you do that for? She was eating too much. <laughs> oh, my God, I wanted to kill her in front of everybody. <laughs> right. But, boy, I said, thanks, Mommy. <laughs> oh, God. I know. Wait, just first hit me. Thanks, Roz, for giving me the service. Um, you talked a lot about taking care of others. How has taking care of yourself evolved over the 20 years, and how has that allowed you to care for others today? Okay, that's good because I talked to my old therapist yesterday because she's going to go to Serena's session tomorrow. You know what she tests me? Are you still acting like Mother Earth and everybody's your little satellite? <laughs> she goes, I hope you're doing better with that. I go, I am. I am. I can't, I can't have um, to keep everyone hanging on to me for four years and gaining weight and not helping themselves and, and calling me all night. I am doing that. I am finding boundaries. I'm going to another program. I am having boundaries. I have to because I don't have it in me to do all that anymore. I am. It's, it's a miracle. I can say no. It's such a miracle. I can't save everybody. I can't save. First of all, how can you make someone stop eating if they don't want to? I, I would like to if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Ross, could you talk about how you, um, you know, I guess the gratitude or whatever that you feel uh, from sponsoring people in the program? Oh, there's nothing, nothing that is so beautiful as, like, I got this solid heart, this gorgeous heart from somebody I sponsored. She had it designed for me with a 20. But that's not the present. She is. It's someone's presence in my life. It's someone's presence in my life. Like she's driving up here. When she's got a whole house full of family. You know?